This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. You don't have to be in the Premiership to be successful. We're in the third division and we're successful. But I'd like to see us win the Championship and then start pushing for promotion to the first division. I honestly don't see anything stopping us. I think you get a certain amount of frustration as a chairman. I mean, if there's any success, it's down to somebody else. And if everything goes wrong, it's down to you. Perhaps I'm fed up with being slagged off for somebody else's mistake. People that come down to our games or even go to our away games, they support Arsenal and Tottenham and Man United and stuff like that. And they say that the atmosphere at our place is second to none compared to, you know, the team that they support. I mean, Arsenal, I mean, I go to Arsenal, I live near the Arse, and uh, the atmosphere there, it's, it's a library, I mean, it's dead. I mean, you come out the Griffin Park and the place is electric, it's just brilliant. Griffin Park life wasn't always so good. Brentford's terrible slide into the third division hasn't exactly been a barrel of laughs especially under the guidance of former Chelsea legend David Webb. But now the club belongs lock, stock and smoking two barrels to former Crystal Palace chairman Ron Nance. And as every lazy newspaper headline writer would have it, the bees are um, buzzing again. And then they sting someone and they die. I think that's how the story goes. I'm not sticking to nature. But never mind that. FA Cup round two. Only Oldham stands between Brentford and a glory tie against Chelsea. Now do we want to f***ing win this? I fight too. Let's have some f***ing leadership. Let's have some fingers pointed when people ain't f***ing working hard enough. No free balls in midfield. And that's fun nothing as well. And let's f***ing make it. 10, 15 percent. Get the f***ing crap behind us and get a f***ing result and play Chelsea. But it's hardly the end of the world, is it? That was the lowest point of my career here so far. I was very tired, but I was still, I was alright to take the penalty. I just miss it. That's just one of them things. Inside Griffin Park, it's hotting up. While outside, the police... The cops, you know what they're called, they are taking no chance. The old bit are searching everybody, like, you know, as they're coming through the turnstiles. And apparently this policeman, like, he started searching this kid, this 
He'd opened up his jacket and he had about 35 chocolate bars under his coat. And the policeman turned around, the other policeman goes, I can't believe I'm searching people for bleeding chocolate. Ray Lewington will be my first team coach. Terry Bullivan and Brian Sparrow will also be pro coaches. And I think I put together probably um, the nucleus of one of the best coaching teams uh, in the country here for Brentford. I think the players should benefit from that and hopefully they will appreciate that. I'm delighted to get Ray. I was surprised to hear that he would actually consider coming with me to Brentford, so I'm delighted to get him. Uh, I've appointed a managing director from my old marketing staff at Salhurst Park. Uh, I think we've even got the laundry label. Right, make sure we do it right. All over the pitch, we slow down. Most people that I bumped into and were talking about the situation thought it was a gimmick. It certainly wasn't a gimmick from Ron's eyes, and he felt that uh, he'd had enough background uh, to do the job. And when he announced to the players on the first day that we were here that he would be picking a team, you could see in their faces that they weren't quite sure about it. Quite a few of them were sceptical about, you know, whether it would last or not. I think there was a lot of doubt in their mind whether this was just a, you know, bit of a joke and a bit of a, a rich man's whim. But uh, I think that was dispelled after pre-season um, when we got back into the league. I mean, if I didn't have problems at the back, I'd be interested in doing three midfielders, Roland, Hebel and um, Gavin. And up front, Freeman, Lloydy and Foden. We play 4-3-3. I've got to admit, I was a little bit dubious of Ron, but you've got to give everyone a shout. I mean, I said that you've got to be really open-minded. Now, you know, we're in a situation where our club was going down the pan. Somebody's offered to come in and save it. So I'm just like, OK, that's all good. Let's just see how it goes. We've got absolutely nothing to lose. So Ron's come in, and uh, we've all held our breath for a bit. We've seen that he's doing a lot of positive things for the club. We've still got a long way to go, but it's all good at the moment. song and I'm not waving. Well, I mean, that's not really my style anyway. When they sing a song, I want to hide, <laughs> not wave. That's the way it is. I mean, I'm not used to that anyway. There are at least three different versions of that song, and that's the version we can play. Now, at Palace, Ron was there for a long time, and I don't remember anyone singing any songs about Ron, so there must be something in the water down there. But hey, Gary Hargraves is the club's commercial manager. Ron can be quite sort of standoffish with people, and, and he doesn't do that on purpose. That's not him. It's just that's how he comes across. And, and until you get to know him, Ron is a very, very talented man. He, he knows what he wants. He gets what he wants. Uh, he's very successful, and you tend to get this feeling that um, whatever he touches turns to gold. And for me, and I think for probably I'd speak for Brian, Terry, Ray, we want to be part of it. And everybody else that's now working for him, it's about being part of something that's going to be successful, that you've got a real feeling Ron will turn it around. A short while ago, one of my solicitors said that I should buy Manchester City, and I just thought, it's a tremendous club, and it's a great buy, and it'd be absolutely brilliant, but I don't really want to be flying up and down to Manchester, and I don't really want to move. So, yeah, it would have been very interesting. It was one of the clubs that was available for sure. There was eight clubs available that were offered to me. I quite like Portsmouth, but Alan Ball was at Portsmouth, and I'd have had to go in as the chairman buying the club, and that 
wasn't really what I wanted at that time. I mean, on that basis, there's no point in, in selling Palace. I would never have been allowed to manage Palace either, not just as the first time. So Brentford was uh, in a situation where the Brentford supporters didn't care who was there as long as it wasn't uh, Webby. And Webby actually is, and always has been, quite a good friend of mine. And we've done deals together in the past. We've trusted each other. I've been able to take his word on things. And he just waited for me to sell Palace, knowing if I did, I'd buy Brentford. It was something where I could go in and manage, and people weren't going to say, oh, God, no. They were going to say, thank God, Webby's gone. I think we all accepted it, that he, he put his name on the manager's door, and he, he wasn't looking to hide behind it. We're in a lovely position, really, that run, runs the bus, he picks the team. He doesn't dictate tactics, but he will say his preference of playing a, a three or five or, or four at the back system, and we will coach accordingly. We have input in that, but at the end of the day, it's Ron's final decision, and at the moment, he's taking the credit, so I don't know if he'll... He'll also accept the blame when it comes or not. I'm not sure yet. We haven't come to that. Don't start defending throw-ons and things like that. If it's f***ing going out and you're under pressure, just put it out and face up. And the same thing goes for defending corners and that sort of stuff. Don't get caught being turned at the back. All right? This is their team. So he's turned down the chance to become the main man of Main Road. But the attraction of Brentford is straightforward. Ron is a chairman who is also the manager. I'd say the, uh, the traditional after-match uh, meeting between the chairman and the manager is quite weird at Brentford, but he needed a coach. Every team needs a coach, and eventually he got Ray Lewington. When the actual sale of Crystal Palace went through, he said he wanted to, to stay in football and possibly buy a club, and Brentford was mentioned. And he asked me if I was interested, and I said no straight away, to be fair, and uh, he asked me a couple of times more. And to be honest, I was going to uh, Knott's Forest, and, uh, and really, it was uh, on a social occasion around one of those Crystal Palace's directors' house that um, we had a few drinks, and he pulled me aside and said, uh, listen, this is my final offer, and made me a very good contractual offer. And by then, he convinced me. It's going to be hard to turn. Sarge and Bully, I'm sure they also have nicknames, are also on the coaching staff. They've got bags of experience and bags of respect and probably bags for shopping as well. And they're, as the Labour Party say, on message. No kicking their way out of the third division for them. Eight grids, five and five. We start off three touch. Pass through the cones, got to receive it on the other side, count as a goal. It's a good argument, Matt, but I think a lot of people say that because they don't know how to coach the other way. And um, when I was at Barnet with A. Clemens, we played football and we just missed off the playoffs by three points. And in the meantime, I think we made about a £2 million profit for Tony down at Barnet in the transfer market. It's also nice to be out and mix it like we did at Exeter on a Saturday. You can't be little Lord Fontevoise, can you? But um, you can keep the ball down. And I'd rather not be involved if it was being splashed up in the air all the time, to be honest. I'd rather think of something else. Ron refuses to buy players of 27-28 who could probably improve our team instantly now. He doesn't want that. He's prepared to wait. He's prepared for them to make mistakes in the first team. He's prepared to go and lose. But on Monday, he wants them brought in and try to correct the mistakes that they're making. And he will do that in the year. It's a big difference, like training every day, and that's a lot harder than just training twice a week. But it's also a bit easier because you don't have to go to work every day and then train. It's different, it's a lot easier, really, but it's very enjoyable as well. Martin Rowlands is one of the new young players brought in by Ron Nodes. Okay, the training's more fun, but come Saturday, the expectations are higher. Daddy!
really. Um, it's, it depends, I think, really, with the players we've got at the moment. I think they are doing what we want, and there's boys who are going to go on. And at Reading, when I was there, I mean, the boys we were bought were from the lower divisions, mainly because that's what the budget allowed. So, you know, they were learning as well, which um, here we're learning and we're winning. Unfortunately, we weren't winning at Reading, so they weren't learning as quickly and enjoying the game. I mean, Rollins, Arusu, um, they look like me like boys who are definitely going to go on. It's true. I mean, coming from non-league as well, which was a big factor for myself and mine, I, don't, I think a lot of the fans thought easy one of those buying non-league players in, what are they, they going to do? But like you say, for the past two, three months, myself and Martin have really shown the fans and the management what we can do, and hopefully we can keep on doing it, and hopefully the fans will still be behind us. Yeah. Split us and they laugh and they call us the three amigos 
I won't tell you what they call rock, but uh, it's all in good fun and uh, the atmosphere's terrific. We got work out
Brentford fans with firecrackers, you know, red alert, like, all these police came in there, and this man, Blen Briscoe, was holding up this big inflatable thing, and the whole fans were going, chomp, chomp, and after that, it just went absolutely ballistic, we went away to South End, and even Marcus Gale, I saw him a couple of weeks ago when I went down to Wimbledon, he said, man, I remember that chomp, man, we went down to South End, I've never seen nothing like it, because there were just thousands of chomp bars thrown on the pitch every time Brentford scored a goal, and the crux of it came, played Bradford, and it just happened that game. We beat them 6-1. And the place was absolutely ballistic. There was just bars coming from everywhere, like, you know. It was a bit mad. So uh, I remember the game after that, I actually didn't go. But my mate called me up and he just said, um, the old bit are searching everybody, like, you know, as they're coming for the turnstiles. And apparently this policeman, like, he started searching this kid and this kid opened up his jacket. And he had about 35 chocolate bars under his coat. And the policeman turned around and the other policeman goes, I can't believe I'm searching people for bleeding chocolate. Like David Curly Whirly Webb in the past, Ray Twix Lewington's found out that at Brentford you underestimate the passion of the fans at your coo coo coo, at your coo coo coo, at your peril. We were actually top of the league and we went to Torquay and, and lost and the fans' reaction quite surprised us because it was quite intense and violent the way they reacted to the defeat as if it was uh, Ron's master plan that, you know, honeymoon period's over now, now, this would be it from now on in, you know, losing and drawing, whatever. We actually did look, put a little bit in the programme where we said, listen, this, this is a game of football. We're trying to do our best. We will sort it out sooner or later, but we were a little bit disturbed with the reaction from uh, some fans. And to be fair, I had a few letters from some of the people involved that day who apologised and said that uh, perhaps it was a bit over the top. You know, I understand what he's saying, but fans have the right to have their own opinion. And also, I think that we're at the stage now where we just wanted to get out of this league. And when we go down to somewhere like Torquay, and I'm not saying I'm the one that's going to stand up there and say, no, you're out of order, but I understand as well from the fans' point of view, they're so frustrated, they want to beat them so we could just get up there. And when it's not happening and they don't see the players pulling their weight, they just slash out. And the same goes for the rest of the present management. Ron's come in and he's doing his thing and he's got a benefit out of it at the end of the day. We've got to benefit. As long as everyone benefits out of it, then that's all good. But as soon as that parties are benefiting more and other people aren't, then, you know, as what happened in the web situation, we can't be having that. There's a lot of people not going to come tonight because we played at home Tuesday night. Paid 10 quid. Now you go with the family, gone with the wife tonight. 20 quid to get in. Plus the beers, no
York life. We rub shoulders with the fans who may be helping Brentford, but they support Chelsea. We've got the Wimbledon Chelsea executive box for 10 people, and I'm amazed. That went for £1,650, and I'm absolutely amazed that somebody's paid that for it. But again, it's outstanding. It shows you that there's, you know, maybe they are Chelsea supporters, but they're supporting Brentford by buying it. Probably Italians. The fans are beginning to find a reason to believe. We've got to finish in eighth place to miss out on the playoffs. There is not seven better teams than us in this division. There's not even two better teams in this division. We go pitch side with the only man who can pronounce Gavin Mann, Gavin Mahomes, name? Anderson, yeah, Watson, yeah, Malhoon. You mean uh, Gavin Mann? Yeah, Malhoon, I thought. Thank you, Alex, for that introduction and uh, 
I'm losing the short term, but you're using the short term to actually gain the long term, you know, and that's the situation. Now, with this season ticket scenario, there should be certain benefits to the people that buy season tickets, right? It's not getting a raffle ticket, whatever, but they should be going into the community and going into businesses and doing things that should actually link in to the force of people. You know, there's a bit more worthwhile here. You know, I'm buying the season ticket, I'm actually going to get a hassle-free, you know, tickets for cup games and I'm going to get this and I might get something from some local business. You know, there's a lot more thought that needs to be going into it, you know. This whole idea of in the absence of raffles, the Brentford fans who support Brentford are getting down to the real business. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to get a song for Herman. Herman needs a song. I've got one that's terrible. Alright, listen. Alright, listen. Oh dear. As a Palestine, of course, you can always have our channel to do about Herman. Herman, Herman, give us a wave. Herman. Give us a wave, and when he didn't wave at us, we used to go, He's tall, he's not very small, he's nowhere near the ball, substitute the man. Look, I'm just bitter, okay? We lost a very good player to you guys. But the problem this season with Brentford is, they're having to write songs about doing well. That's a tough excuse, there's no noise at Manchester United. To the usual inspiration of Brentford, it's about losing. I remember driving back on the coach, and we were really depressed again, and uh, worked for the record company that got that Findaloo record. And it hadn't come out as yet. It's quite funny. So I whacked the video on. This must have been about two months before it came out. And uh, I said, just check this out. And we kept on. We hadn't had the stereo broken. So we kept on looping the video again and again. And in the end, by the time we got halfway down the M4, everyone was singing, you know, we're gonna score one less than you, Brentford. So they just turned it around just to make it alive. It's like one of the things that you do, like, you know, when you're sort of kind of little bit But it actually helped to sort of kind of lift the depression. We got back to Brentford. We all sat down in a dream at the people. We're still singing this one. We're going to score one less than you. Thinking. So to be quite honest with you, this year in the third division has been one of the biggest laughs it's been for, oh God, for a good five, six, seven years. Because everyone's really up for it. Everyone's going out like, from our posse. They're all going to all the games. We've been to away games. You know, this is different. It's a bit of a laugh. Even club officials are getting the bug. And opportunity is knocking for MC Peter Gillum. And I mean that most sincerely, folks. The playoffs against the crew, and in the opportunity to both the crew, PA announcer, and myself, to have a couple of three or four minutes slots on the pitch. And uh, it's wonderful. I'm a bit of a prima donna anyway, and it's quite nice to get out there with a microphone. And uh, I'm singing Hey Jude to the Beach fans and giving my everything. I thought Michael Jackson, Tina Turner can do it, and when so can I. So, wonderful. It was, it was absolutely the business, I have to tell you. It was a great feel. Um, you let yourself go. I mean, to do the job I do on the pitch, you've got to be prepared to sort of slip up the banana skin. The people take the rise out of you. You've got to be thick-skinned and be prepared to sort of say the roughest move. I do. I enjoy that. That's all part and parcel of it. Put a microphone in my hand, I come alive, and I, I say I did enjoy that. It was
a week or so ago and uh, late night last week was his first game for the club and people were singing the old uh, banana boat song Leo, Leo, give us a goal, we want one now you know, who sits and comes up in the first place, I never know but they do and we sing them Ah, no prizes for guessing it's that D again, isn't it? I do actually was the original Brentford song and one of the things I really remember is turning up into the ground and everyone was standing up there chatting and then all of a sudden when the players come out and I hear this Beatles song start playing and everyone was just like, you know, start singing along to it, put their hands in the air and then all of a sudden they'll do the la 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 Brentford, two, three, four, la <laughs> and that's what they do all the time with Hey Jude and then it disappeared for years and then just recently, it's just reappeared again and it's on the tannoy there and the fans sing it and it's just like Brentford's equivalent of We're Forever Glad Bubbles or You'll Never Walk Alone. But then after saying that, I've heard a couple of other teams they've got into the good age as well, but I can tell you from now that it was originally So, 
you think about the consequences afterwards, you know, once you're out there and, and, and attack happens, you don't think about it at first. It's not too now you go and move yourself off, try to play, maybe we'll make something, you know, something different, or who knows. And if that's not bad enough, it ends up going to penalties and the ref, quite unusually, is not cooperating. <laughs>
Kevin people off and persuading them back. And I think I think he was slapping them over the wrist rather than saying, "Oh look, you're missing something really good at the moment," which they are. You know, but, you know they're, they're, they're missing start of some really good signs. That's what really bugs you. You get um, criticised for what you're doing, and the supporters think that uh, directors don't know anything about the game or anything. As far as I'm concerned, I'm just a fan. I'd rather be out in the, in the stand with the fans. And the other thing is, you know, if I go scouting, I go and stand with the supporters and I ask them who their best player is and they tell me. The, the supporters have a great knowledge of who's good and who isn't in the sides. And if you're looking at a player and you fancy a player and you say, what do you think of so-and-so? And sometimes they'll tell you some amazing things and you'll never ever sign him and you think, thank God I spoke to the fan. But the fans do know a lot about football. But the fans also think that all the directors know nothing about it, and that's not really true. Next time in Park Life, Ron Nodes faces up to a football league investigation. What have you been up to at the Palace, Rob? What have you been up to at the Palace? I've kept the Football League informed all the way through of everything. They were aware of the shares that I still had in Crystal Palace. Uh, I mean, I'm quite astounded, because on the one hand, the club owes me a million pounds for which there's already litigation that's been commenced. And if I had any interest uh, at all, I certainly wouldn't be suing the company where I had an interest. <laughs> quite illogical. Keeps tabs I always try and get the five o'clock plane out of Atlanta, so if the ride's here about half past six, you can then go home, have an hour's sleep, get to the match. And last Christmas, the plane got delayed six hours, twelve hours, twenty-five. In the end, it got delayed a whole day. And the pilot kept coming around, or the crew, saying, is there anything they could do for you? And I kept saying, what about the bloody Brentford result? So when we got on the plane, the pilot gave me every half an hour the Brentford result. I think Brentford won 3-0, and the whole plane cheered and got a stand.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.